0: I'm Tony Kornheiser, this is my show, my friends come on, we talk about basketball now, golf and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happens. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Good morning, welcome to Spotlight on Maryland. I'm Austin Todd, your host for the next half hour or so. Today, we are joined by Bernard J.B. Foster. He is the executive director of the Turk House. Bernard, how are you this morning? morning. I'm doing well, Austin. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for joining us today. Um, Turk House is a nonprofit organization providing uh, drug and alcohol treatment to people in the greater Baltimore region. You guys recently celebrated your 50th anniversary. Can you tell us a little bit more about the history of the Turk House?
2: Oh, boy. Uh, where do I begin? First of all, thank you to you, Austin, and your audience for, for the privilege to uh, be on your show. Uh, Where do I begin? So, uh, yes, indeed, you're correct. Uh, We recently celebrated 50 years of um, um, treatment um, as an organization. Uh, Of course, we opened our doors for treatment in 1970 under the auspices of uh, Dr. Isidore Turk, who was then the commissioner of the Maryland State Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. Uh, I think prior to Turk House coming online, in a lot of a lot of the patients who were struggling with the disease of um, addiction and mental health uh, were usually housed in state hospitals and and of course uh, the jails uh, to be able to receive treatment. And so it was pretty groundbreaking for Doctor Isidore Turk to uh, to open uh, the organization um, to be able to address the needs of patients who didn't need to end up, of course, in the state hospitals or the jail for treatment. And so, of course, fast forward, uh, things have changed, things have morphed as the years have gone by, and now the organization is at a point where we are able to treat more patients. And so, um, you know, the, the organization has morphed over time, and now not only are we dealing with, um, are we treating just alcohol addiction, which is how we originally started, but now we are treating a myriad of um, uh, Behavioral related uh, diseases, uh, not to mention um, alcohol addiction, substance use, mental health, and other aspects of uh, somatic health as well. Yeah,
1: there's so many things you guys specialize in, and you know, 50, 50 years later, there's, um, I think, so many things you can still work on going forward. Um, 50 years now, Turkhouse specializes in working with those in our community that are in the most need. Uh, including those who are underinsured or not insured at all. Um, tell us more about who you serve and how it's possible to make your services affordable for everyone.
2: So, so I um, uh, thank you for, for that, Austin. So, we, we do serve, uh, you're right, um, uh, we serve patients regardless of their ability to be able to pay for the services. Of course, uh, as a result of the 1115 IMD waiver, uh, of two thousand and seventeen um, we are we are able to serve more people uh, so currently tur we serve both men and women of all races uh, who come in most most of the time they have a dual diagnosis uh, and then of course to tag on some somatic issues as well so currently uh, and for the foreseeable future uh we want to we plan to continue uh this um uh, this mission that we have and so we serve both men and women all races uh of course based on some of the data we've collected over the years we've seen that of course men are seeking uh treatment more than women and and we we are trying to figure out reasons for that uh uh for for those uh, for that data point but uh our goal is to of course always keep our doors open for people who are struggling with a disease of um, addiction, regardless of their ability to pay.
1: So you said you serve men and women. How many people does Turk House serve every year?
2: On average, um, um, when we started, of course, we were doing about um, 900 a year. Over the last, uh, how be it, Over the last four years or so, we are now doing over 3,000 every year, and we may hit about 5,000, hopefully. Uh, in all our levels of care, by the end of the calendar year. Wow,
1: that is incredible.
2: Yep. Uh, yep.
1: This is pretty cool. Turk House was recently named one of the one of America's uh, best addiction treatment centers of 2021 by Newsweek magazine. We have your picture posing with the with the award. <laughs> That's pretty cool. What makes Turk House? Um, what makes the Turk House approach to drug and alcohol treatment unique? Well,
2: well, first of all, uh, you know, we want to thank. You know, it's always good for the work we do to be uh, acknowledged, although that is not why we are in the business. Uh, I think uh, our goal uh, has been, uh, I think the the, the work that we've done is measured by the outcomes we get. Um, Hopefully, uh, over the years, our goal has been, of course, uh, for our patients to be able to be independent uh, uh, as far as their daily living and being able to not, of course, uh, 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 abstain. We are a harm reduction treatment facility uh, and we our goals are always to make sure that uh, we are helping the patient within the continuum of recovery. And so that has been sort of our approach. Our goal always is to empower the patient to be able to endure recovery. We know that recovery is a lifetime of work. Uh, and so our goal has always to be to, to, to encourage our patients and to empower them to take ownership of their lives and so really that has been what um we don't know what other programs are doing but i think for for the tech standpoint and vantage point uh you know our mission is to uh is to bring hope and health for patients uh to be able to endure recovery and so that is what has you know you know propelled the organization to the degree that i think the lights of a new suite will be able to recognize the work we do and so we appreciate the recognition but I think the work that is being done by our staff is what has made the difference.
1: Well, Turkhouse, you offer many different services for people. Like you said, I mean, it's 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 a it's a lifelong sort of uh, uh, journey to you know get to recovery. You offer a lot of different services for people at every stage of that recovery process. In 2018, you partnered with the Maryland Department of Health and Baltimore City Health Department as well as the Baltimore City Fire Department and Behavioral Health System in Baltimore on a pilot program to open the Maryland Crisis Stabilization Center. So how does that work?
2: Oh, boy. So so I'm, I'm glad you're bringing that up. That was 2018 was a game changer, uh, Austin. It was a game changer, I think, for your audience to sort of understand the state for the state. And the Baltimore City Health Department to come together to address, of course, not to forget Behavioral Health Systems, Baltimore, who is actually a local behavioral health authority. Uh, for them to come together to really put a mechanism together to be able to mitigate the pressures on the emergency department was quite groundbreaking. And the, the Maryland Crisis Stabilization Center really is a sobering health center that uh, helps patients who are presenting at the ER. For substance related um, uh, issues to be triaged to this program really one of the things it does was not only the 24 7 operation but also it helps patients to be able to uh, not overburden the healthcare system by going to the uh, emergency department but to have a place where they could come get treatment not only to get treatment to be able to get hot meals hot showers get their clothes uh, dry cleaned and then of course also have our medical staff, which comprises of a medical director, physician, a nurse practitioner, RNs, peer recovery specialists, to be able to triage the patients, uh, the patients that we see to their next level of care. And so I think there's a comprehensive. This program has has put together a comprehensive approach to treatment uh, for the city, and I think it has it has it has really changed the topography of uh, addiction treatment for Baltimore City.
1: Bernard J.B. Foster, Executive Director of the Turk House, our guest on Spotlight on Maryland this week. You also offer residential treatment both at the main campus and at other facilities across the region. Can you tell us more about the residential services that Turk House offers?
2: So so uh, thank you. That's a great question, Austin. So really typically, you know, um, when patients are struggling with the disease of addiction, you know, the idea that you know you can go into a program whether it's five days 10 days 21 days or 30 days uh for 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 the disease to just abate is really not uh uh, at least per the research uh is not true a lot of a lot of our patients who struggle with the disease of addiction many of many of them have been drug dependent for about some 10 20 30 years and so The idea that just a program, especially our main campus, our main campus is a withdrawal management program that is short-term. And so after you've been able to stabilize the patient uh, in a short-term type of program, you need long-term facilities that will be able to help. Now that the patient has been able to be stabilized, now you have to help the patient to be able to walk and to relearn new things. And so our residential facilities, really are tailored for doing just that, helping the patient to regain the semblance of themselves, their dignity, their humanity, and the ability to be able to now uh, really in those programs, which is usually six months or more, to be able to really regain independence and be able to become productive citizens of the community. And so... Those long-term programs really help patients not only to be gainfully employed, potentially to be able to gain their own independence by getting their own apartments, be able to go back to school, and be able to reengage with their families. And so the long-term treatment facilities really assist with that. And currently, Telecouse has about four or five of those, three, or four, three uh, of which is in Baltimore City and then one in Howard County
1: yeah I mean that that's it's such a long process, and there's so much more to it than just overcoming the addiction that's so right. many things beyond that integrating you know back into a normal life and trying to get things back on track. A key component to uh the treatment program is that patients receive support from their peers, people who yep. have already successfully navigated the recovery process and are living in recovery. Why is the peer recovery model so successful
2: oh boy wh where, where where do I begin um uh, our peers bring a level of expertise to treatment that you can't learn in school. That's, I'll just leave it at that. Our peers, the peer recovery specialists, that really, not only in our program, but I think across the state, uh, the peer recovery co- community has brought a level of expertise that I didn't think um, uh, uh, we needed. But in the last few years, we've seen the considerable uh, contributions that they have made uh, to the degree that we are able to fast track uh, treatment and and be able to get patients engaged in treatment is really prior to the peer recovery community coming online that was the challenge that we were having now now that they are sort of they are on board they really they they've they brought a level of expertise i'll repeat that again uh, to treatment that cannot be gained in college books, cannot be gained in a university, cannot, I, you know, I, I, you know, I have no, no, no shade on universities and the work that we do there, but lived experience communicates something totally different, and I don't think it can be taught. So, you know, the peer recovery community has brought a lot to addiction treatment, and I think for me, uh, at Turk House, we, 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 without them, I don't think we'll be where we are. Absolutely.
1: Uh, I see you've also just added a brand new service with the grand opening of the Andre Kennedy Center for Integrated Behavioral Health and Urgent Care. Why did you feel it was important to add this to the Turk House's offerings?
2: So, so you know, the, the, the mission of the, of the organization, Austin, is to always help mitigate the challenges of, within the healthcare sort of sphere and scope. Uh, anytime we can break down barriers, I think, for Turco's brand is to be always to be able to help uh, mitigate the challenges for our patients. So within a two to four mile radius of where we are, especially our main campus, there is nothing for the community. You know, uh, the transportation system is a challenge. And so we wanted to bring something within the community that, you know, patients can just walk to. And so really that was the impetus for really building the Andre Kennedy Center for Integrated Behavioral Health and Urgent Care. And so, once again, we are always looking to, uh, we are always looking to help mitigate uh, challenges for our patients. We are always looking to remove barriers to treatment. And so the impetus for, for doing this urgent care was essentially looking within a four mile, two- to four-mile radius and not seeing anything in sight to the degree that our community could benefit from. And so that is what really propelled us to be able to open this facility.
1: What a huge help for the community.
2: Indeed. I
1: think right now we can all agree that organizations like TurkHouse are needed now more than ever uh, as, you know, we continue to battle the ongoing opioid crisis and now the pandemic. The CDC recently announced that drug overdose deaths have spiked nationwide since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Are you seeing this rise in your facilities and how has the pandemic really impacted your work?
2: Oh boy, um, <laughs> you're uh, you're right, Austin. Um, the, COVID really uh, has changed uh, the treatment landscape um, for not for not for good. Uh, I mean, let me just put it bluntly: uh, it's been quite a challenge. Um uh with this pandemic, but you know we're a healthcare organization we don 't complain this is the work we 've chosen as a person who served in the military you know you just get your orders and you follow suit uh, and I think the staff within the organization have you know essentially uh have have you know we 've developed an, a whole, an all sort of a all hands on deck approach to treatment and so you know as much as you know the pandemic uh, brought, brought with it the onslaught of you know a lot of the stresses of life that patients were already dealing with prior pre-pandemic. Uh, our patients have been, uh, our staff have been the ones to really, uh, really, really, really uh, propel the mission of the organization. Uh, even though we've seen spikes uh, as as to the number of patients that are coming in for treatment, uh, the fact that we couldn't close our doors. Uh, like other businesses because we're a healthcare entity. Uh, we've seen current rises in that. Not only that, of course, you have, you know, as long as we are having, and then of course we have the challenges within, uh, uh, whether it's previous or current political arenas, you know, uh, the, the, the opioid is pouring through the borders of the country. And that is also, it's also really making a lot of our work very, very difficult. And I think these are all challenges uh, that we are seeing, and then you know, to tag on uh, uh, the COVID uh, uh, is also, you know, it's making, uh, it, it, it's, it's making an already stressed healthcare uh, system more stressful. And and, and I think that, it, you know, we cannot uh, uh, overstate that. And so, you know, as much as there is, we've seen spikes in patient care, we've seen we have had to, uh, at times, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, continue with our CDC protocols, uh, quarantining, cleaning, and all these other things that have become a burden from a financial standpoint for the organization. But I think we we always want to make sure that our patients are safe. And so we are investing into the organization with the help of other partnerships and entities to be able to make sure that uh, we can get this uh, pandemic under control. And so, to your point, uh, it has impacted our work but I think the quality of the work continues to remain the same because we have a dedicated and committed um uh staff uh that 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 have, you know, taken the Hippocratic oath the treatment very, very seriously. And and so in as much as there is a challenge, where there's a challenge, we always find a way to meet the need. And so that is what we've been dealing with.
1: Well nobody said the work would be easy, but it certainly is worth it.
2: Yep. Yes, indeed.
1: Do you think we're making progress in the opi- opioid crisis?
2: <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, I don't know how to answer that question. Progress, as, I'll, I'll put it this way. I think the staff and other healthcare facilities are making progress. I think, you know, uh, we are going to treat the patient. Whatever patient we see, we are going to make sure that the patient is taken care of. Now, on the fiduciary standpoint, uh, I don't think a lot of progress is being made. Uh, as we speak currently, we still need more facilities that need to be opened uh, to be able to alleviate the, stress, the stresses of patients on the healthcare system. And so, yes, uh, on, 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 on treatment facilities offering treatment, we are making progress there. But no, uh, from the financial side, uh, I don't think progress is being made to help make sure that we are able to really do more for our patients that we see. Uh, but I think I'll leave that to politicians and policymakers to be able to do that. I think our, our call, our calling as House is to be able to make sure that uh, we can take care of the patient. And I think that is the progress that we see that, you know, when patient needs the services, they are able to reach out not only to a Turk House but to other entities as well.
1: In addition to treating patients every single day, you've also been pretty busy working on a major renovation project at the main campus. Can you tell us more about the recent improvements at Turk House?
2: So the goal uh, of the organization remains um, uh, to make, you know, uh, treatment less institutional, more collegial, uh, more, you know, residential, personal, and intimate. And so with that said, a lot of the renovations we are doing is to really bring our, our space uh, to be able to sort of in the 22nd 20, 20 um, uh, century type of uh, setup. And so we have done, we've recently added a new dining space that will be able to seat about 104 patients uh, at once. We've added four new suites. That totals about 10 new beds. We are doing landscaping. We are building of course, we just added the urgent care, as I mentioned earlier. We are also looking to build new community spaces and uh, employee lounges, so that uh, you know our page, our staff would be able to uh, uh, work in areas that commands uh, uh, tranquility and peace. And then that's all, And then, of course, of course, to also revitalize our entire neighborhood. And so. Really, that is what we've been busy at work doing.
1: Spotlight on Maryland. Bernard J.B. Foster, the executive director of the Turk House, is our guest this morning. Bernard, what's next for the Turk House?
2: Well, we are, we are currently working on a phase three of our organization. And the focal point of our phase three is to really build a state-of-the-art kitchen uh, um, uh, for, for the organization to be able to bring on a few other things uh, like an x ray machine for, for the urgent care uh, to be able to complete the entire uh, renovation of the organization. And of course, to expand services so that we can create access for patients who are struggling uh, with the disease of addiction uh, and of course, um, other somatic related illnesses.
1: If anyone listening today is struggling with drug or alcohol addiction or mental health issues, how can they learn more about the Turk House and how can they ask for help?
2: Please, uh, and then I just, this is just a clarion call to the whole state. It's not just only Baltimore City. Um, call us, call us, call us. Uh, you, can, you can call us at 410-233-00684. Or visit us on our website at www.TurkHouse.org. Um, we 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 are here for you. We are here in the community, whether it's in Howard County or Baltimore City. Uh, uh, no, not there. There shouldn't be any barriers to treatment. And so wherever you are, just give us a call, reach out via the website, and we'll be more than willing uh, to assist and to help.
1: And what about those who want to support your work or donate to the renovation project? Who should they contact?
2: Yeah, uh, you, you can contact uh, our director of fund development and cap um, and major gifts. He can be reached. His name is uh, Mr. Chris Maynard. Can be reached at 410-320-1921 four ten three two one three two zero. Sorry, 1921, 1921 Or email him. At C Maynard, C uh, Maynard, Maynard is spelled M A Y N A R D at turkhouse.org, or you can always go on our website and hit the donation button to be able to uh, donate. We need a lot of help. We are, we are, we are doing a lot for the community to be able to make sure that we can help uh, our our communities in need. And any little bit of help uh, and support would go a long way. And so just wanted to thank you in advance for that.
1: Just a little bit ago, you said you guys help three to 5,000 people in just a year. Going into 2022, what is your greatest need going forward?
2: Well, going into 2022, of course, number one, funding. Um, Funding is a a big piece, Austin. Uh, Funding, uh, what would do a lot for us to be able to, you know, keep our patients. Sometimes, you know, we are dealing with um, uh, uh, insurance entities who are not willing to uh, pay beyond the the number of days they've given. And sometimes we, uh, in conjunction with the patient, because our model is a patient-centered approach, uh, you know, sometimes we want them to be able to, and they want to be able to stay and get additional treatment. And, And so, Sometimes the challenge is we have to make it, we have to make decisions. Do we keep the patients in the bed even though they are not, we're not going to get payment from insurance, or do we discharge them into other programs and facilities And so really, I think our number one goal here is funding uh, funding and funding.
1: Well, before we let you go, let's go through those uh, phone numbers one more time. I want to remind everybody, we're talking with Bernard J.B. Foster, the executive director of the Turk House. You can visit them at turkhouse.org. That's T-U-E-R-K house dot org. And uh, once again, you said that you can donate right on the website, correct?
2: Yes, sir. Yes, yes, sir. You can do that. You can just hit the donate button, and it will come straight to the organization.
1: Excellent. Well, celebrating 50 years of work, and you know what? Uh, A lot of good work to be done going forward. Before we let you out of here, is there anybody you'd like to thank or give a shout-out to real quick?
2: Um, I would like to thank and give a shout-out to the staff of the Turk House, um, the board of the organization, the staff, especially the board, and, of course, our partners, our partners uh, in the foundation community who have really helped us to get this far, to come this far. Well,
1: Bernard, really want to thank you Uh, again, for joining us today, Bernard J.B. Foster, the Executive Director of the Turk House. You can donate and support them at turkhouse.org. Once again, that's T-U-E-R-K house.org. Bernard, thank you so much for your time, and uh, best of luck going into the new year.
2: Thank you so much, Austin. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you.
1: Thank you for taking time to speak with us this morning, and thank you for listening to Spotlight on Maryland. This has been a production of Odyssey Baltimore. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023.
0: We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles. And Toyota has them with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. So what exactly is the show about? It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitches and catches. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.